A true Christian has an appetite for spiritual things and not the things of the world. Things of God that are spiritual. When you talk about a child of God, a true child of God will naturally hunger and thirst after what's right. You see? And what is right? Well, you get into the Word of God and God tells you exactly what you need to do. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Well, it's great to have you with us today for our continuing study of Christ's inspiring yet faith-challenging Sermon on the Mount. Highlighting its guidelines for a righteous life, Raul will show us that religious activity is no substitute for true communion with God. We'll find out today that as we walk in faith and obedience to His Word, He'll transform us and allow others to see His character through us. Here's Roll now with today's lesson. Turn with me to the book of Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter 5. And this morning I'm going to talk to you about the call to Christian character. And I'm going to use the book of Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount... Uh, the Beatitudes, because that is the place where Jesus started to speak about character. Let me begin by reading chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. He says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Now you notice, first of all, that the actual rabbi stood, and the people sat as he taught the word of God. And then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, And again, he's not talking to the multitude. He's talking to who? To disciples. The multitude are not disciples. He's talking to believers. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now did you notice that I said we're going to be studying the Beatitudes? What I did in my notes, I put a between uh, the word be and attitudes, I put a dash and it's Beatitudes. It's talking about Christian attitude or Christian character. Few of the passages here in the Bible not only talk about character, but the Sermon on the Mount has been misunderstood by so many people. First of all, we must understand that the Sermon on the Mount is for believers. That's you and me. There are three basic purposes for Christ giving the Sermon on the Mount. Number one, to tell His followers what true righteousness is 
as opposed to false righteousness concerning the scribes and the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees thought that they were righteous by doing a bunch of works. Keeping the law, stopping on the Sabbath day and praying, not wearing their false teeth on the Sabbath day. All these weird things they were actually doing outward instead of looking inwardly. Secondly, it is to describe the laws of his kingdom, the spiritual principles he used to govern the lives of men and women. And thirdly, he relates his message to the Old Testament law and the traditions of the scribes and the Pharisees. Why? Because the Pharisees and scribes were always quoting the rabbis. When Jesus came and actually spoke on the Sermon on the Mount, he places himself in the authority of the Word of God as God himself giving the Word of God. Now, when studying the Sermon on the Mount, many people make three mistakes. Number one, they apply it to nations when it's to individuals. It's not speaking to nations. He's speaking to individuals. That is, his disciples. Secondly, they apply it to unsaved people when it is for only believers. No unsaved person can ever live in chapter 5, 6, and 7. There's no possible way. Only a believer in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, they make it into a Christian law to be obeyed. When it's really a description of what a Christian is like when the Holy Spirit is working through the life of the child of God. These are things that the Holy Spirit enhances in our lives as we submit our lives to Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so hard for people to understand the Sermon on the Mount. Millions of people think that they can be saved by obeying the Sermon on the Mount or by obeying the Ten Commandments, and that is foolish. There's no possible way. Every one of us has broken every one of the Ten Commandments. The Sermon on the Mount describes the character of the truly righteous person, character that comes from a walk with the Lord through faith in Jesus Christ, period. It is the spirit of this sermon that is important. You notice that in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, when he speaks on these Beatitudes, he starts out with the word blessed. Very interesting word. The word can mean, oh, how happy. It's used 58 times in the New Testament. But it is used in a way where it is actually proposing the blessed one. The blessed one. The one that has been blessed by God. Or blessed, possessing the favor of God, that state of being marked by the fullness from God. It indicates the state of the believer in his position in Jesus Christ. The believer is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Christ and His power, as a result of that, it gives us full satisfaction... Notice, to every circumstance that we are facing as we live according to God's divine power. Happy are those that are poor in spirit. But then again, when you look at this word blessed in the Hebrew, ashar, it means to be straight, to be level, to be right, or to be happy. Like in Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. See? The word, oh blessed. So when we're talking about the Beatitudes, we're talking about Christian character and Christian attitude. 
Let's look at the first one, beginning with verse 3 of chapter 5 of Matthew. Poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, a lot of people would love to say that if you're poor, hey, blessed are you. But that's not what he's saying. He's not talking about poverty financially. This is pretty incredible because as a child of God, he's speaking of those who discover their own utter poverty, spiritually speaking, and take their place as paupers before God. When I look at myself in the presence of God, who am I? Because people are pretty proud. They think there's something. The world is constantly promoting what? Self-sufficiency. Self-promotion. But not in the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to get to the top, then you got to go to the bottom first. And God will be the one to put you on the top. When we talk about blessed are the poor in spirit, it's our attitude towards ourselves in which we feel our need to admit it. We must be empty before we can be filled by God. It's the opposite of self-sufficiency. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves, Paul said. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, he said, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being for ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. I like that. My sufficiency is from God. All things that I do is because of God. Otherwise, I couldn't do them right. The world promotes self-sufficiency, yet God dwells with the person whose heart is broken in a contrite heart. In Isaiah 57, 15, the prophet said, For thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Notice that. This does not mean false humility or cowardice. It means a proper attitude towards self, realizing how weak and sinful we are apart from Jesus Christ. The poor in spirit are happy because theirs is the kingdom of God. People who know God are happy people because they know their God and they know their future and they know their eternity. People who know God are people who know their sinfulness. That we are nothing but dust. And that we have sinned against God. And I need God's divine power in my life. I need His blood that He shed for me to cleanse me and wash me from all my sins. Why? Because I need to put all my dependency on God and not in self. The poor in spirit. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Don't forget, we're here to support and spur you on in your walk with Jesus. Visit us at somebodylovesyou.com or call us anytime at 800-634-9165. Coming up in just a few moments, we'll tell you about Raul's brand new book at a special introductory rate. But first, let's rejoin Raul for more of today's teaching. The second one is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, is Jesus talking here about those that die and then you mourn for your family or friend when you go to a funeral? Well, a little bit like that, but not quite. This is an attitude towards sin 
A true sorrow for sin. True repentance. You hate your sin. You're ashamed of it. This is a sincere sorrow for sin. Our sin and the sins of others. How careless is so many times we become about sin. And yet we excuse it. And yet God hates it. And sin breaks the heart of God. And yet Paul talks about bewaring of the sorrow of this world. Why? Because when you talk to people in this world and they say they repented, you really don't see true repentance. Why? They're right back doing what they did before. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10, speaking to the Corinthian church, they were carnal people. He says, for even if I made you sorry with my letter, you know, I wrote to you, but it's a real repentance when you read the letter. I do not regret it that I wrote this letter. Though I did regret it, for I perceived that the same epistle made you repentant or sorry, though only for a little while. And now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led you to repentance. There it is. You see, true sorrow leads you to true repentance for what I've done. And then he says this, though only for a little while, no. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer the loss from us in in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to true salvation. Not to be regretted, but sorrow of the world produces death. Peter, the apostle of Jesus, when he denied the Lord three times, it says that he wept bitterly and what? And repented. Peter truly repented in his heart, poor in spirit. Here again, mourning in spirit. But then how about Judas? Judas betrayed the Lord for $20. He went back to give the money which they used for a cemetery, to buy a field for a cemetery. And what does Judas do? He went out and he hung himself and committed suicide. Did Judas repent? Never. There was no repentance in the life of Judas. God desires true repentance. Turning away from your sin. Because you hate it and you despise it. As God gives you a new life in Jesus Christ. Look at the third one. Verse 5. Meek. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Our attitude toward others. We have to be teachable. We do not defend ourselves when we are wrong. Yet how many times when you're wrong you defend yourself? That's not meekness. That's not humility. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Meekness brings peace to your souls. Meekness means what? Not asserting my own rights, but living for the glory of God as I humble myself in the presence of men and God. Christians are to show meekness. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, beseech you that you walk worthy of your calling with, notice what you are called, with all meekness, lowliness, and gentleness, and long-suffering, bearing one another in love. And then again in Titus 3.2, to speak evil of no one, but to be peaceable and meek, showing all humility to all men. We are prone to be self-willed and proud. 
But God desires that we would humble ourselves in the presence of God. The meek shall inherit the earth. The humble. And then the fourth one, verse 6, hunger and thirst. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, here is our attitude towards God expressed. How? We receive His righteousness by faith as we ask for what? As we ask for it. The way to actually become satisfied spiritually is to hunger after what is right, not what after is wrong. You see? And the only way to do that is by fully committing my life to Christ, reading this Word of God, sitting like we're sitting here this morning in a sermon like this in the church, Listening to the Word of God. But then not only listening, taking the Word of God that you're hearing and then applying it to my life when I leave here. And living it out throughout the week. That makes you a Christian. You see? Not a religious person. A true Christian has an appetite for spiritual things and not the things of the world. Things of God that are spiritual. When you... Talk about a child of God. A true child of God will naturally hunger and thirst after what's right. You see? And what is right? Well, you get into the Word of God and God tells you exactly what you need to do. Those who naturally hunger and thirst after righteousness are meek, are mourners, are pure in heart. And they are totally blessed by God because they become satisfied. The word fielder is satisfied. They're not seeking after anything else. God himself satisfies the relationship. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That is <laughs> not having revenge on anybody. Lord, break their teeth or legs and do whatever else you want to do, Lord, to humble them. No, we don't pray like that. David did. But literally what he's talking about here. Is that we have a forgiving spirit and we love those that have come against us. Oh man, that is hard. You ever face anybody that came against you? You guys say, oh praise the Lord, I love you. <laughs> the hardest thing to do. But what does it do? You have to humble yourself. This is not a legalism sermon. But merely the working of what? Biblical principles of sowing and reaping. If we don't love and forgive, we're going to reap our sins. You reap what you sow. If we show mercy, then God will show mercy to us. Because God is merciful. Mercy will come back to each one of us. In Proverbs eleven seventeen, 17, it says, The merciful man does good to his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. Look at the 8th verse, pure in heart. Blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now we know that in Jeremiah 79 it says, The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, who could know it? I, the Lord, know your hearts. Yet we keep our lives clean, holiness, through Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? Not by being sinlessness, because everyone sins. But by coming by faith to Jesus Christ, repenting of all my sins, not divided between God and the world. When one believes in Jesus Christ and put his faith in Christ's finished work, which is his atonement. 
God gives that person what? A new heart and a heart that is righteous and pure before the Lord. That's why nobody knows a person's heart. Only God knows our hearts. Because the heart is deceitful. Yet in Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the old heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. You see, a righteous, pure heart is holy. And without holiness, no one will ever see God. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all people, holiness. For without it, no one will ever see the Lord Jesus Christ. No one will ever see the Lord Jesus Christ if we don't pursue after peace. Peace is the key. And then look again now. In verse 9, the peacemakers now. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Christians should bring peace between God and man, between those who are odds and each other. We share what? The gospel of peace. That is, is Christ a world of war, but Christ is Christ a world of peace. Christians have the gospel of peace on their feet. How? Paul says in Ephesians 6.15, In having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You see, the gospel of peace. Not war, not fighting and strivings. But blessed are the peacemakers. We hope you've been encouraged by today's reminder that righteousness isn't developed by following a long list of rules, but from walking in step with our Savior each and every day. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to review today's lesson, we'll send you an unedited copy for a donation of $5 or more. Our phone number is 800-634-9165, and today's lesson was titled, The Call to Christian Character. Now, to further your understanding of what it looks like to live an upright life before God, we'd like to tell you about an insightful new book from Rawl titled Sermon of Sermons. This resource will take you to the hills of Galilee to think about Christ's loving guidance on the heavenly-minded path that He calls all disciples to follow. We're offering this book at the discounted pre-order rate of just $12 plus shipping and handling. This is a limited-time offer. To make your purchase, visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 and ask for Rawls' new book titled Sermon of Sermons. That's 800-634-9165. Or you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We're committed to helping you grow in your faith and to enjoy a deeply personal relationship with God. If you have a moment, let us know how we can better serve you. And be sure to visit Rawl on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific for Straight Talk, featuring Bible-based encouragement for godly living. You can also explore our archive of Rawl's teaching and download any of these programs as podcasts using Spotify or iTunes. To keep the Bible at your fingertips, download our free app. You'll gain instant access to convenient digital Bible studies, a reading plan to structure your personal devotions, and much more. Thanks for partnering with us to keep Bible-based teaching on the air. Every contribution you make is tax-deductible. Next time, we'll continue with more of our study of Christ's incomparable Sermon on the Mount, and we'd love to have you join us. Together, we'll think about what it means to be poor in spirit, but rich in the Lord as we fully surrender our hearts to His care.
Here's Raul with the final word. And then verse 10 through 12, this is the pretty heavy one. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Sake. Notice it doesn't say blessed are those who are persecuted for being weird. No. Righteousness sake. Okay. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. And they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. What's the first thing we do when people call us name and talk against us? We want to defend ourselves. What does he say? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Hey, look backwards and see how many people have been persecuted before you were ever persecuted. Think of the people in China and Siberia today that are being killed and persecuted and prosecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. They're rejoicing. And this is the key. All who live godly will suffer persecution. You want a scripture? I'll give it to you. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yes, all who desire to live godly lives in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. Hey, People hate being around people that are righteous. They get convicted. So if people see Christ in you, and they see you doing what is right, and they begin to mock you, or to talk against your persecution, hey, rejoice. Don't feel bad. If they cut you off, they don't want to be your friends, hey, rejoice. Because it happened in the past, and it's happening in the present, and it will happen in the future. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.